teachings of holy mother the aim of life is to realize god and remain immersed in contemplation of him god alone is real and everything else is false god is one's very own and this is the eternal relationship between god and creatures one realizes god in proportion to the intensity of one's feeling for him he who is really eager to cross the ocean of the world will somehow break his bonds no one can entangle him as you smell the fragrance of a flower while handling it or the smell of sandalwood while rubbing it against a stone so you obtain spiritual awakening by constantly thinking of god if you become desireless you can realize him right now this morning we are celebrating the birth anniversary of holy mother the wife of sri ramakrishna his spiritual companion his helpmate in his spiritual practices when the gospel of ramakrishna was first published I sent a copy of the book to a very well-known professor in this country. He was expert in both Eastern and Western philosophy, and he was professor of philosophy at Williams College. He wrote a very interesting review of the Gospel of Ramakrishna. He said, after reading this book. an average western thinker or scholar will regard ramakrishna as an abnormal person so what had he been normal like us he would not have been a saint now he said a tree is known by its fruit look at the good work that is being done everywhere in the name of ramakrishna how many people by contemplating him enjoying inner peace and happiness i suppose the same thing applies to holy mother well it is very difficult 
to speak about holy mother she was to be sure an extraordinary person as you will learn from the little talk i'll give about her life and teachings she was molded by sri ramakrishna to represent the ideal of indian womanhood she was also molded by sri ramakrishna to reveal the divinity inherent in every woman today she is revered as the first lady of spiritual india she died in 1920 and in 1950 at that time she was absolutely unknown except or to some of our devotees and disciples maybe few hundred and 1955 when her the centenary of her birth was observed whole india rose to its feet to pay her homage in 1954 her bust was unveiled in our chapel the bust was made by melvina hopman well out of 67 years of her mortal life 67 47 years were spent in the company of blood relatives and illiterate villagers the rest of 27 years was known only to several hundred disciples and devotees she was married and lived with her husband till the last moment of his death yet no woman could lead a purer life than holy mother she was a nun throughout life she was busy with arduous household duties and yet never missed meditation a single day she daily repeated lord's name she said 100000 times well i do not know how that is possible unless she made it a habit to repeat lord's name with every breath even while performing her household duties later in life she was literally worshiped by her disciples as a veritable goddess sri ramakrishna regarded her as divinity incarnate one night this young lady was giving a massage to sri ramakrishna and suddenly she asked sri ramakrishna how do you regard me and sri ramakrishna said i regard you as the mother who gave birth to my body and also as the divine mother whom i worship in the temple well yet she was utterly humble and unassuming she was blessed with highest spiritual experiences as deep as those of sri ramakrishna yet she did not manifest those experiences as ramakrishna did through dancing or going into ecstasies so some of the disciples of sri ramakrishna remarked to us the holy mother had much greater self control than sri ramakrishna 
when Sri Ramakrishna would have a spiritual experience, he would cut capers, as you read from the Gospel. But Holy Mother was absolutely quiet and serene. Well, she digested all spiritual emotions and yet appeared like an ordinary mother. Well, in this connection, I shall tell you a personal experience. It happened 45 years ago, 46 years ago. It happened really in 1916. And still I see the whole thing vividly. I was taking leave of our, in our village home. And I was coming to Calcutta with another lady who was also a disciple of Sri Ramakrishna. Her name was Gauri Ma. She was a dynamic lady, an organizer. She founded school. She founded boarding houses. She traveled all over the country giving lectures. She was a dynamic woman. So, Holy Mother asked me to look after Gorima while traveling by night train to Calcutta. Well, as we are leaving the house, I can see the whole picture. Well, Holy Mother accompanied us both to the outer gate. And as she was walking with us, she was crying, she was weeping, and she was praying to God for our safe journey. She was crying, like an ordinary mother in India. The mother does that always. When the children go away, the mother always cries. And as she was crying, the Godima, this dynamic lady, she was roaring like a lion. She said, Mother, don't worry about us. We can take care of ourselves. And the more this lady roared, the more Holy Mother became humble, completely self-effacing. And I looked at the picture, as I see just now, and I said to myself, this woman, Gorima, she has not one millionth of power of Holy Mother, and she's bubbling all over. And Holy Mother has million times more power, and she has digested it all. She's exercising tremendous self-control and acting like an ordinary woman, ordinary mother. She died in 1920. Well, her death was hardly noticed, except by her few disciples and devotees. And as I said, in 1953, her birth centenary was observed. Well, whole India paid homage to her saintliness. The high government officials, prominent educators, the writers, the national leaders, they all participated in that centenary celebration. Newspapers wrote articles, processions were formed, meetings were convened, attended by thousands and thousands of people. Schools were established. Hospitals were founded in her name. And all that happened, what? She died 1920 and 1953, well, say 33 years after passing away. The centenary was observed not only in India, but it was observed outside India, in Europe, in America, where you have a Ramakrishna center. Well, today many men and women contemplate in India and abroad her life and teachings and enjoy peace of mind. Wherever Ramakrishna is respected, 
Holy Mother gets her equal share of veneration. Well, soon after marriage, when it was found that Sri Ramakrishna was insane, practically, that's what the world thought about him, Holy Mother's mother, Sri Ramakrishna's mother-in-law, said, Ah, my poor daughter, she is married to an insane man. Well, she would never hear the word mother and thus soothe her ears. And Sri Ramakrishna heard it and said, Mother, don't worry. You will see that thousands and hundreds of thousands would address her as mother and her ears will literally burn by hearing the word mother. She was born in 1853 at a small village 60 miles from Calcutta, untouched by modern civilization. Her parents were simple village folks, but magnanimous and God-fearing. Well, Holy Mother said at one time, if my parents were not so good, do you think that I could be born in that family? Her name was Sharada, which literally means the bestower of wisdom. Well, during her childhood, simple childhood, she was active, helping the family with household duties, cooking meals, picking cotton from the field, arranging fodder for cattle, all these humdrum duties. She loved to listen to religious music and the recitals of the stories from our religious epics like the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Thus she grew up in a very simple village in fresh air. The village which had a number of stately banyan trees or royal palm and there are a number of lakes and she moved about. A happy, happy girl mixing with everybody in the village without any restriction. She was a peacemaker among her playmates when the quarreled. She was married at the age of six. In India, that kind of marriage is like what you call a betrothal. The real marriage takes place when the bride attains to puberty. Sri Krishna at that time, living near Calcutta, was regarded as an insane man because all his action, all his conduct were different from ordinary people. So somebody recommended his marriage. They thought the marriage would perhaps bring his mind down to the solid earth. Well, when the proposal was made to Sri Ramakrishna, for some strange reason, he cheerfully agreed. And even he pointed out the village, about three miles from his own native village, where the future bride would be found. It was indeed a strange marriage. Sri Ramakrishna regarded all women as his mother, or the manifestation of the Divine Mother, even in dream. He never thought of a woman in any other light. And about Holy Mother, in that young lady, sex consciousness was never aroused, awakened. So you see, evidently, no earthly purpose was served by that marriage. But 
she was destined to carry on his unfinished spiritual mission after his death. Her first contact with Sri Ramakrishna was when she was 13 or 14, first real contact after her marriage. Describing later on the experience of that contact, she said, Ah, my joy at that time knew no bounds. I felt always as if a pitcher of bliss, a pitcher, a jug of bliss was set in my heart. Sri Krishna, though considered abnormal, he at once knew his duty towards his wife. So he taught her to perform ordinary work worldly duties to show respects to the elders, courtesy to the guests, even how to trim an ordinary oil lamp and how to travel in a railway carriage. The man was always absorbed in God and how he knew all these minute details. We often think the more spiritually we develop, the more we become indifferent to the world. It is not at all so. She told her, when you travel by railway, in a railway carriage, be first to get into the compartment so that you can get the best seat. And always be last to leave the compartment so you don't forget anything. See how practical he was. Well, the most important lesson he taught her was to suit herself to occasions and persons according to special need. When you read her life, you will know. She applies this lesson to suit herself to occasions and persons, applied this to her husband and also to her relatives and in future to her devotees disciples and strangers while realizing coming to know about her future mission in life Sri Krishna taught her how to develop love of God and non-attachment to the world and one day Sri Krishna said perhaps inadvertently I do not know Sri Krishna said to her, remain as pure as you are. You will be worshipped as a goddess. And she whispered, what about a child? You know, this instinct of motherhood is in every woman. And what about a child? And he said, but you have seen with your own eyes the death of your brother and sister, and you know how they died, and you all feel very, well, heartbroken. And she turned around and said, do they all die? And she quickly left the place. And she said, ah, I stepped on the hood of a cobra. I did not know she had so much inside her. Anyhow, you know, she was purity in itself. She had a passion for purity. Looking at the tubos, white tubos, she used to pray to God, Oh God, make myself as pregnant, as white, as yonder tubos. And looking at the full moon, she would say, Oh God, there are stains even in the moon, but make my character absolutely stainless. Siam Krishna said later on a very significant remark. If she were not that pure, if she had made physical demands on me, would not have I too lost self-control? Who knows? Who knows?
it appears that with her permission, with her blessings, Sri Ramakrishna lived the ideal life of a monk. Sarada, the wife, holy mother, was 19, living in the village, in her village. Well, distorted report came to the village that Sri Ramakrishna was really insane. And she wanted to see him with her own eyes. Well, this frail girl, frail girl of 19, walked 60 miles on foot to Calcutta. And on the road, she was seized by malarial fever. She had a very high temperature. And her father, who was accompanying her, took refuge for the night at a wayside inn. Then something very touching happened. She has some described. She said, well, I was lying in bed with very high fever, delirious, unconscious, and suddenly I saw a vision. A young girl of my age, absolutely black in complexion, came near me. I looked at her. She was so beautiful, but absolutely black. And she said, I have come to see you. Holy Mother said, oh, your feet are covered with dust. You have walked a great distance. Did anybody give you any water to wash your feet? All this you see in a sort of vision. Holy Mother said, you know, I'm sick. I was going to Calcutta to see him, referring to her husband. Do you think I shall be able to see him? And the young lady said, of course you'll see him. I have kept him there for your sake, and you will be all right, and you will go and see him. I have kept him there. Well, of course, that is the vision of Kali, the Divine Mother. Then, arrived at Sri Ramakrishna's room, and Sri Ramakrishna received her with great kindness, with great compassion. He arranged her treatment, kept her in his own room for comfort. So one day, Sri Ramakrishna said to her, this is one of the first questions he asked her, have you come here to drag me down to the world? She said, without a moment's hesitation, no, I have come here to help you, 19 years old girl. I have come here to help you to realize your spiritual ideal. I don't know how it all sounds to you all, in this modern setting of the world, you see, you know how the world is, and when you hear something like that, well, I just do not know how one feels, you see, well, to realize your spiritual ideal. She began to look after his needs, and also the needs of his mother who was living with him at the temple guard. Sri Ramakrishna realized her potential divinity, potential spiritual powers. He wanted to awaken those spiritual powers. So one night, middle of the night, he worshipped her literally as we worship the Divine Mother, Kali, with all the rituals, with all the formalities, and at the conclusion of the worship, both went into deep samadhi, deep meditation. Well, from that time on, Holy Mother began to sense a new power, some new responsibilities. 
she practiced meditation with clockwork regularity, went to bed at 11 o'clock at night and always got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. She had many, many spiritual visions about which she was reticent. Yet, she never neglected her household duties. She had to look after her husband and he had very weak stomach. She had to cook special food meal for him. Then she had to cook spicy food for Ramakrishna's young disciples, a separate meal. Then she had to cook a special vegetarian meal for an old orthodox Hindu widow. And she lived in a tiny room, a small room, all these years. The room which we have seen many, many, many times, the room is seven feet high. And the floor space was 50 square feet. There was no window at all, just one small or two ventilators. And often she shared her small bed with one or two hard women friends. Well, but she was happy because she had the opportunities to visit her husband. Her duty was to cook his meals and carry the food plate to his room and make him eat. He would always go into samadhi, even while eating meals, and she would try to divert his mind by small talks. But even that opportunity she always did not have. Later on, some of Sri Ramakrishna's young disciples would be with him in the room, and Sharada was too modest, too shy to come to his room while other people were there. So she would be sad. And when she would feel depressed, she would say to herself, Oh mind, oh mind, what good karma you have made that you deserve the joy of seeing him every day. What good karma you have done. So she used to stand behind a screen covering the porch of her room and through that screen, little hole, she would look at the mart of joy in Sri Ramakrishna's room. He was surrounded by his disciples. He would dance and he would sing and he would cut jokes and this unending conversation. And she would sometimes say, oh, I wish I were one of those male disciples so I could be also with him. Well, then Sri Ramakrishna fell seriously ill. He knew he would not live long. Well, Holy Mother poured her whole heart and soul to nurse him. One day Sri Ramakrishna hinted to her about her future mission. Holy Mother was completely distressed. Sri Ramakrishna said, what? You won't do anything? Must I do everything? Holy Mother said, I am a mere woman. What can I do? <laughs> Sri Ramakrishna said, no, no. You will have to do many things. Look at the people of Calcutta. These people of Calcutta. They are like worms squirming in darkness. You have to bring light to them. How little have I accomplished? You have a much heavier task to do. Sri Ramakrishna died in 1886. 
and Holy Mother was there and she burst into tears saying, O Mother Kali, why have you gone, leaving me behind? She said later, she always regarded Sri Ramakrishna as Mother Kali. Well, after two or three minutes, she fell into a dignified silence. And then, as is the custom with the Hindu widows, she was taking off her ornaments one by one. Sri Ramakrishna gave her many ornaments. Sri Ramakrishna said, ah, she is the goddess of knowledge, and goddess of knowledge loves to deck herself with ornaments. But a Hindu widow is not allowed to put on any ornament. So as she was taking out one by one, and only one thin gold bracelet was left, Sri Ramakrishna came to her, appeared before her, pressed her hand. Why are you taking off all your ornaments? Keep that one. Do you think I am gone? Where have I gone? Here I am. It is just moving from one room to another. After his death, a new life began for Holy Mother. She did not want to leave. Heartbroken. To soothe her heart, she went on a pilgrimage and practiced austerities. And after some time, she turned to Kamarpuku, Sri Ramakrishna's paternal home. And there she faced unbelievable poverty. The relatives were indifferent. The villagers ridiculed her because she was not dressed strictly like a Hindu widow but she put up with all. And Sri Ramakrishna, before his death, said, don't stretch your hand for help to anyone. Remember, if you stretch your hand, if you are a hand out, then you shall have to sell your head. So, Holy Mother, she began to husk paddies, very arduous for husk paddies, to remove the shell from the carnival, you see. She husked paddies, planted vegetables, ate sometimes just rice, nothing else, and that also without salt to season. So she spent her time in extreme poverty, but day and night should be repeating Lord's name. She even then did not know the real purpose of her life. Then she began to have repeated visions of Sri Ramakrishna, and one vision was particularly significant, and that vision pointed out to her what part she was going to play in fulfilling the mission of Sri Ramakrishna. It happened this way. She was in Calcutta, while living on the bank of the Ganges. And it was a moonlit night. And she was seated alone on the step of the Ganges. And then suddenly she saw Sri Ramakrishna appear from behind. He went into the water of the Ganges, Sri Ramakrishna, and he was melted in the water. Then Swami Vivekananda arrived there, and he took water in his both hands and began to scatter that water around and thousands of people were assembled. She saw that in a vision. So Vivekananda sprinkled that water on the heads of these thousands of people, and everyone was enlightened.
vision disappeared. Holy Mother realized, ah, now I see. I have a part to play in this new dispensation. Well, soon after, her uh, new life as a spiritual teacher began. Through her pure body and through her pure mind, God wanted to awaken the spirituality of the earnest seekers. Well, as I said before, she was purity itself. Once she said at the age of five, I came to the master, Sri Ramakrishna, at the age of five. And since then, or ever, I remember to have committed any sinful thought action. She transmitted spirituality, literally transmitted, handed over as one hands over a flower or a material thing. And she suffered for the sin. She took upon herself of her unrighteous disciples. At the same time, she felt great joy when spiritual disciples, pure-minded disciples touched her. But she promised to stand by her disciples here and hereafter till every one of them attained to liberation. She said death would never sever the relationship between me and those who contemplate me. All sorts of people came to her, young and old, men and women, educated, uneducated. None went away empty-handed. A silent prayer constantly welled up from her heart. She would pray, come all of you, I am here. I am here for your sake. I'll soothe my heart by showing you the way to God. Suppose you have committed sin. Will you be deprived of my blessings on that account? Now this prayer attracted people. There was no notice in the newspaper. There was no advertisement. She said, after her death, in a subtle body, she would attract people everywhere. Well, friends, I do not know. It seems to me that is why you are here this morning. And I said to myself, you have only heart and name, and you are here. And I often say to myself, I received her blessings. I met her, saw her many times. But I feel like a donkey. I feel like a donkey carrying on my back a heavy load of sugar, not able to taste it. Well, thus we see the different stages of our life. A village girl, a devoted wife, a spiritual seeker, an illumined saint, and an enlightened teacher. In her spiritual ministration, she acted in three different ways. As a mother, as a teacher, and as divinity. These are not compartmentalized. Some disciples were impressed by her motherly love, some by her compassion and patience as a teacher, and some by her divinity, which assured them 
deliberation and enlightenment to outsiders. She appeared just like an ordinary householder. I remember my grandmother saw her many years ago, and she said to us, oh, just like an ordinary householder, looking after her relatives, doing her household duties, so on and so forth. Well, she was surrounded. It was not a happy family. Very <laughs> strange. Her brothers were greedy, wanted all the time money from her. Her nieces and nephews, they're all quarrelsome. She looked after the welfare of all. People thought she was really involved in her family. But she was completely non-attached. Now, as a mother, as I said, she acted as a mother. As a mother, she looked after the disciples' physical needs, cooked for them, nursed them when they were ill, and she procured special vegetables, special fish, when people came to visit her in her village home from Calcutta. It is a simple village. You just get simple things. And sometimes, oh, people from aristocratic families would come there to pay their respect to her or to be blessed by her. One day, one very high government official came to see her. And later on, he became a very devoted disciple. And he was in the habit of taking tea in the morning. Now, what could you get milk in a little village in the early in the morning? And what would she do? Before anybody was awake, she would go with a cup in her hand from one house to another in the village. And so, well, one of my children is in the habit of taking tea. I would like to have a little milk. Don't you see? So, you see, she said, I am mother. Who will look after them, if not I? Well, the disciples, like disciples everywhere, I suppose, made demands upon her, both reasonable and unreasonable. Some wanted immediate vision of God. And some would say, Mother, make me insane, as Ramakrishna was insane. Make me insane. I want to be insane for God. Some would say, Mother, feed me with your own hand. She tried her best to satisfy all of them. Well, one disciple felt piqued because he was a monk. He was not making enough spiritual progress. He lived within two or three blocks of Holy Mother's Calcutta house. And he did not visit her for two or three years. Then one day, she sent for him. And he came. And Holy Mother said to him, My child, the sun dwells high in the sky, and the water lies below. Water does not shout to the sun to take it up into the sky. It is the very nature of the sun to draw water in the form of vapor. You need not practice any spiritual discipline whatsoever. I shall do everything for you. Another man was complaining, oh, he had no spiritual realization. Holy Mother said, how do you know? Suppose you are lying in bed in Calcutta, asleep, and somebody is moving you with the bed while you are asleep to Benares, and you wake up in Benares. Would you know while you are being removed that you are being taken to Benares? When you wake up, you know, my, what a place I have come, new place. So you see, another young disciple complained, well, he was tormented by physical passion. 
and Holy Mother said, well, you know, a man takes a dog with a leash to the marketplace, and it is the nature of the dog to jump at this thing or that thing. But the dog only makes the gesture. At once, he feels the pull. So she said, don't worry about anything. It is the nature of the children to soil their bodies with mud. And it is the duty of the mother to wash them. Then Holy Mother acted as a teacher. She stressed the need of spiritual discipline. She would always say, all will eventually realize God. But practice of spiritual disciplines hastens the process. Repeatedly he emphasized, the realization of God is the goal of life. And those who are eager to realize God, she exhorted them to eliminate the desires. And she would say, what is this physical body? What is this physical body? Which is the tabernacle of our earthly existence. What is this physical body? When it is cremated, what? Three pounds of ashes. That's all remains. Three pounds of ashes. She emphasized the repetition of God's name as very important spiritual discipline. The repetition of God's name purifies the mind and keeps it in good condition. She assured disciples of her guidance. She would say, don't worry. The master is there. And I, your mother too, if you contemplate me and his teachings, you will never have to worry. Now, then we come to a short description of Holy Mother as divinity. Sri Ramakrishna said she was the embodiment of the Divine Mother. He asked his disciples not to see any distinction between him and her. She too said the same thing to many of her own disciples. Sri Ramakrishna said at one time, if I am angry with anyone, she can protect him. But if she is angry, not even Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva or I can protect him. Many devotees found it difficult to recognize her divinity. She wept bitterly when one of her nephews died, when her uncle died, like a worldly person. And somebody said, Mother, you also weep. And she said, why? You know I'm a worldly person. And I act like a worldly person. Then she would say, even Brahman, pure spirit, when entrapped, ensnared in five elements, he weeps. Yet she said to disciples, when you are in distress, say to yourself that I have a mother. Well, she could not be easily recognized. Sri Ramakrishna often compared him to a striped cat covered with ashes. When the cat shakes up the ashes, then you see the stripes. So she said, people would not recognize me as long as I am alive, but after my death, they will know me. At last, you see, she realized her mission was over, and she became more and more indrawn. She lost interest in her relatives, 
who always followed her like a shadow. She became very ill. And the illness was diagnosed as Kalajar at that time. For that kind of fever, there was no remedy. Surprisingly, only two or three years after her death, maybe five years after her death, a remedy was found. Now nobody dies of Kalajar. Her body became emaciated, blended with the bed. People were not allowed to see her. One woman who had known Sri Ramakrishna sat outside the door and began to weep just two days before her death. Suddenly, Holy Mother's eyes fell upon her and the woman said, Mother, you are going. What will happen to us? Then Holy Mother said, You have seen Sri Ramakrishna, why should you worry? Then she said, and these are the words, last words of Holy Mother. And I think the last words to humanity, the stricken humanity, confused humanity today. These are the last message. She said, if you want peace of mind, my child, never find fault with others. Never criticize others. Find fault with your own self. In this world, nobody is a stranger. Everybody is your own. Make the whole world your own. The last words. Then the curtain rang down. Her body was taken across the river Ganges to the Balloon Mount, our headquarters. It was consigned to the flame. And now there are three memorials of Holy Mother. One is her Calcutta house, where she spent 11 years of her life ministering to the needs of the public. There is a memorial. Second memorial is at the Balurmat, a temple where her body was consigned to flame. And the third memorial is in a native village, Jarambati, the place of her birth. And from the top of that temple flutters a white flag emblazoned with the word, simple word, Ma, Mother, recalling to the devotees, Eastern and Western, who visit that place in ever-increasing number, that flag, that word, Ma, remind them what her words of assurance. I am the mother of the wicked. I am the mother of the virtuous. If you are in distress, always say to yourself, I have a mother. From the bottom of my heart, I pray to her that she showers upon you all her choicest blessings. She guides you both here and hereafter. This is my earnest prayer. Again, I pray to the Lord, I pray to the Holy Mother on this auspicious day that she showers upon you all her choicest blessings. Make your life happy and peaceful. I shall conclude with a little prayer. Om Do Shanti, Rantariksham Shanti, Prithivi Shanti, Rapa Shanti, 
पोषदायो शांति बनस्पति शांति विश्वे देवा शांति सर्वम शांति ब्रह्म शांति शांति देव शांति ओम शांति 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 peace be unto earth peace be unto heaven peace be unto interspaces peace be unto day and night peace be unto plants and herbs peace be unto fire water and other elements peace be unto men peace be unto angels peace be unto god peace be unto all peace be unto peace 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 be unto us and to all living beings